I'm Elena Salinas, and this is the Women in Tech Show, a show where women in tech talk about technology and career development. Today's guest is Yvette Pasqua, CTO of Meetup. Yvette has been in leadership roles for more than a decade. We talked about the process of growing and evolving the engineering organization at Meetup. Yvette explained key strategies to align the company with new technology solutions and how she involves people from different divisions at Meetup. We also talked about the experiences that prepared her to take on the role of CTO and how she stays up to date with technology trends. If you like the show, rate it on iTunes or send me a tweet at Tech Women Show. This morning, Yvette Pasqua, CTO of Meetup, is joining us from New York City. Yvette, welcome to the Women in Tech Show. Thanks so much. I'm, I'm excited to, to speak with you. So you first joined Meetup as a user or a, as a member in 2004 because you wanted to join the Pug Meetup. So since then, a lot, a lot of things have happened. In 2004, the iPhone hadn't come out. Um, how have you seen Meetup evolve since the first time that you used it? Yeah, that, that's that's a great question. So yeah, that's that's a- absolutely right. The first meetup, at least the first meetup I remember joining was a, a pug meetup and I was a new dog owner and um, I didn't really know what I was doing. And um, there was a pug meetup in Central Park near where I lived. So it was it was just kind of magical moment for me to find all these dog owners who knew all about pugs and my dog loved playing with them. And I, you know, I, I loved talking with them and, and learning and and seeing who was near me in, in my community. Um, but that was, you know, like you said, that was a very, uh, you know, I had a laptop back then. That was a very laptop world. Um, and uh, from from there, I ended up joining a lot of uh, technology meetups um, and uh, becoming part of, you know, bigger part of the New York technology community. But it was only maybe in the last um, five or so years that I, I felt like um, Meetup turned and is, and is really more and more turning into something you take in your pocket everywhere you go. Um, we actually just relaunched um, our new iOS and Android apps uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually. Um, and we redesigned them in a way that helps Meetup members discover um, discover Meetups near them Um, that are new and, and maybe they didn't know were happening around them that's powered by our um, rec- uh, recommendation engine in the back. So we're really hoping that the idea of being able to take the Meetup community um, with you anywhere in your pocket, we can actually make that a lot better this year as far as allowing people to find things that they love to do, to do things that are really meaningful to them, and find those things near them in a in a new and easier way than than before. That's great because it it'll be targeted like you wouldn't know about a meetup if you're likely not it's it doesn't fall in your interests. So exactly, exactly. You know, a lot of folks get notifications and emails from uh from meetup um via our recommendation engine in general, but actually something that we've introduced into the new app um, is a popular now area as well as um, what's happening this week 
um, to try to show people the real um, diversity and, and depth and, and breadth of categories and topics of meetups and, and hopefully introduce them to things you might not think that meetup has near you, things that might be uh, new, maybe not for you, right? Um, but maybe new from a perspective of, oh, I didn't know that there were other people near me who love doing that thing. So as you mentioned earlier, in the last five years, we've, we've been seeing a bigger growth and evolving. How does this correlate with the engineering organization? For example, what aspects do you evaluate before deciding that some technological changes need to happen inside the company? Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's a really big, a big question. So I'll I'll try to do my best to not talk a lot because it's something I, I love to talk about. <laughs> so I, I think it it all starts with really um, setting a vision for where you need to be as a business to be successful. Um, so as a as a CTO, you really need to be partnering with your CEO and and uh, leadership team from a, and that's the first thing I tried to do when I got here. In addition to understanding the technology, but really understanding Meetup's business, um, and then using uh, that understanding of the business to come up with both a tech technology architecture um, strategy, but um, in a lot of cases, it's just as important to come up with an engineering organizational strategy um, that will support and really drive the the vision for where you want the business to be. So, for example, if Um, you know, if your business goal is to, to grow the product in a, in a certain direction or to grow revenue by a, a certain factor, um, how does your technology platform, you know, how does your engineering organization support that scale or direction? And what things do you need to do to get there, right? You're probably not there yet. So what things do you need to do to get there? Um, and what does that engineering organization journey, if you kind of relate it back, you know, I'm, I'm a, a software person at heart, right, kind of grew up as an engineer and, and um, making software, but if you, if you kind of take the idea of a user journey and map that to a company journey, or in this case, an engineering um, team organization journey, you know, what does that look like and what are the big milestones over the next, you know, two, three, five years? So that's kind of how I, I think of it. Um, At a, at a high level. And then I think the second-ish part of your question was more around um, making technology decisions, right? So I, I always start asking questions. Um, when I started at Meetup, it was uh, almost, almost exactly, actually, uh, a year ago. I started on October 12th of last year, um, so it's almost my anniversary. Um, thank you, thank you. I just realized that now, honestly. Um, but uh, I, I asked a lot of questions. So I, I sat down with every single engineer at Meetup. We were about 55 engineers at the time, as well as key um key folks across product and design and our um, community experience team, our, uh, our leadership team. And I, I probably sat down with um, well over 70 um, people in one-on-one -on -one meetings to, to ask, you know, to, to really ask a few, a few different questions, very open-ended, um, and, and really wanted to see where people would go with them. What do you love doing here and, and, you know, what do you want to do more of um, at Meetup to truly, to really understand, like, what, what's going, what's going very well and, and what are areas that people feel like could go better, you know, that was kind of a open-ended way to ask that. 
And, and then just being very um, honest from the beginning about wanting to hear people's ideas for change. Um, one of um, one of the meetup company values, and you know, when I when I started, I really felt like I, I had a great home and had found found my people and. Um, really uh, feeling good about the values matching my own values was one of those things. Well, you know, one of the one of the company values is change the company. Another is futurize, you know, which which means we should always be changing the company for the better, and we should always be building for the future versus just looking at the present. But the third question asking people was was really about what ideas do you have to make things better, to change things, to 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 make you more productive, you know, to do your job better. Um, and, and I, I collected a lot of different viewpoints from, um, you know, more than half the company at the time in these, in these meetings and, you know, put them, put them into buckets and saw themes, um, that arose from them. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that really told me where the biggest opportunities were, where the, you know, the biggest problems were with the biggest, um, opportunity to, to start solving them and, and make things better. Um, and yeah, I, I really think that a good team, when you ask them those questions, they'll, they'll know what should be done, right? And in this case, um, the, the meetup team and, and, you know, specifically the engineering team, um, I really felt what the, the ideas I got back about what, things they loved doing and wanted to do more of, but more specifically what they wanted to change and improve and get better and, and how to do that. Um, they're a really good team and, and they knew what, what should be done. Um, what I could tell those, they, they maybe just didn't know how to do it, right? And, and, and how to, um, uh, you know, how to execute it. Yeah. Or maybe they didn't know also other people were thinking about it. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's a great point, right? Um, you know, one thing as a as a leader, you know, you need to listen to people one on one, and then you need to you need to connect people with one another so that they can do things together better than they could do uh, by themselves. And that's actually like you know, Meetup's mission as well in 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 a huge way. But I I think you know what a good leader could do, and what I tried to do was make the good team with the good ideas that already existed at Meetup um, and, uh, and, and help them, right? Make that team great by aligning everyone as to why certain change was needed and, and leading the team on, on how to get from present state to that ideal future state and coming up um, with, the, with the, the tangible steps along the way because often, um, often the end state seems pretty ideal and, and far off and hard to do. But if you can plan, you know, back from that state and come up with tangible things that are easier and, and more practical to do along the way, um, you can really get people and, and teams working towards those goals. So I really tried to, to align folks, you know, whether it was the non-engineering leadership team and the engineering team on you know why we're why we should make some changes and what those changes should be and and how we could get there, um, and and then honestly just kind of you know step back and remove roadblocks and obstacles and and help the team get there. Um, when you were chatting with the engineers, did you get some insight as to technology choices? For example, oh, we should be check out Docker and work with containers or like specific 
solutions? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I got a really broad range of everything from um, we should automate more and, and move towards a continuous deployment um, uh, process to really specific things like, yeah, I, I do want to containerize things and, and use Docker, and I think it would help uh, a ship, you know, faster because of X, Y, and Z, or um, uh, you know, or things like a, a big thing was we're a monolith now, and it's really it's really slowing us down, and we have so much technical debt, and you know, have should we look into a microservices architecture, and and would that you know would that help us? Um, and if so, these frameworks I've looked into are, are really cool. So I, I did get a, a big range of specific stuff that engineers had looked into or kind of broader things um, that were more process oriented or, or really more about engineering cultural change. And during this process of asking questions and gathering information, did you also look at information from teams like marketing and sales or is it mostly focused on engineering? Oh no, that that's that's a really good a good point. Um, I definitely think you want holistic information as much as possible because again, you know, technology for technology's sake is, you know, in my opinion, somewhat of a silent killer of actually business and products success. You can't be building great technology if it's not supporting your your business product success strategic vision. So you really need you know technology to be the thing that's your differentiator and you know, you really want your engineering team to innovate and evolve your technology to support those business and, and you know, product strategies. Um, so I, I definitely, we don't have a huge sales team here because we're a, um, most of our business is uh, B2C, although we did launch Meetup Pro um, a, a little bit less than a, a year ago, um, which is a B2B business, and that's actually growing faster that, than any of our businesses right now. So we have a few salespeople, but I definitely did talk with them. Um, we have a small marketing team. Meetups actually never spent any money at all, uh, except for doing one experiment this year on, on marketing. We've grown organically this, this whole time. Um, we've spent, except for like that one experiment, we've spent zero dollars on, on advertising, but we're actually Right now, looking for a VP marketing to really grow us in that direction as well. But there are so many people at Meetup who have been here 10 plus years. The company is almost 15 years old. Um, that in speaking with stakeholders from, from different parts of, of the company outside engineering, I got so much information about product vision and, and strategy and business and, you know, sales and, you know, marketing over the years. And, I, I definitely I definitely think that's important. Otherwise, you're you're building technology in a back in a vacuum, and uh, it, it in my opinion that just turns into a really costly endeavor versus a uh, supportive strategic one where your you know your your differentiator becomes technology. And at Meetup, what is the relation with the business strategy and the technology strategy? So, like, how do we work with one another? Is it because we're going on rapid growth or like you mentioned maybe microservices like yeah how how do they sort of play with each other yeah yeah so well i i i believe you really need to start with your business and your product strategy first um and then you develop a technology strategy that you know uh hypercharges that so um you know we we have a a plan to grow by about um, 10 times uh, our uh, 
uh, our number of uh, you know monthly active users and, and members over over the next um, five years till 2020, and that's you know that that's quite a a, a a lot of growth. And one of you know one of the things that I'm focused on with the technology strategy is how do we scale our technology platform as a whole um, so that we can empower. Um, uh, and that's, you know, that's like another big value of ours. We, we think of our role as empowering our members to do the things that they love and to create a open-ended platform for them to do that. But how can we scale that platform to empower? Um, we're about 28-ish million members now. If, if, you know, if we grow by 10, how do we scale that platform to over 200 million members? Um, and also in doing so, obviously we'd have to scale our engineering team um, by a certain amount as well. So our, our other big goal is to um, uh, rebuild our technology platform so it can also support empowering over 200 meetup engineers in the future. Um, we're about 70 now and, and um, we, you know, we plan to, to grow uh, significantly to support our, um, our business growth. Can you talk about one example of how you would do something like that or like one one key change that needs to happen for example to be more scalable yeah yeah well um you know one one thing i think we we initially were connected because i was talking at the um o'reilly velocity conference about uh our rebuilding of our infrastructure and and systems um so maybe that's a good a good place to start um, since it seemed like uh, you were interested in that topic. So, um, so uh, you know, what, one thing that in listening to the engineering team I saw was a very clear theme and, and what a lot of people spoke about was that our, our current systems, our current infrastructure um, was, was uh, from an engineering tooling standpoint, it was serving our members pretty well. I mean, there's certain, certainly some member-facing areas that are way too slow um, right now. But um, as far as empowering both our members and engineers, from a, a tooling perspective, um, our, our infrastructure was holding back our engineers from being the most productive they could be, from shipping you know, as fast, high-quality product as, as they could. So we, we looked at that and, and you know, we, we came up with a, a plan to rebuild our, our systems and infrastructure. And um, we're right now in the process of moving uh, Meetup's infrastructure from two bare metal uh, data centers, um, one in New York and, and one in Philadelphia, um, to, a, uh, to the cloud, right? And, and um, we're actually moving uh, our current bulk of our system to AWS, um, and we're moving uh, our big data uh, pipeline and, and warehouse to uh, GCP, Google's cloud platform. Um, and, uh, you know, like one, one of the one of the biggest ways to make engineers feel more productive and empower them to have a positive impact on our members' lives is to, is to facilitate them shipping higher quality stuff faster, right? And that was a big theme that I heard when I, when I, when I spoke with people. Um, and one of the big reasons for that is, you know, to be honest, even though Meetup's been around for 15-ish years, there aren't really any other companies like Meetup yet. Um, we have, you know, we have competitors, but there are very few 
there are very few companies, if any, um, who have built a technology platform that um, actually reaches out to make people's real lives easier and better and more satisfying, right? So we're a technology platform that helps you use technology, you know, use the internet to get off the internet in a way. So there are yes, very few, that's what I was you know? thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. To connect cool. in person, Facebook is more connect uh, virtually, but Meetup is like gathering people. Exactly, exactly. And that, that we feel like that's our big our big mission to help the world do, right? Um and and no one no one's really doing that. And and the thing that's that's inspiring that you know, we have this awesome mission that we feel like we're the best company in the world to do. Um, but, you know, one thing that means is, you know, we really need to be able to experiment because we're paving our own road here. Um, you know, we could copy a lot of the great things that Facebook, for example, has built into their product, but their, you know, their company's mission is to get you to stay online as much as possible and get you to click on ads as much, as much as possible, right? Um, they, they don't care really, you know, their, their business and mission doesn't really care at all about you meeting up in person. So while there's some things we could, we could learn from them. I mean, there's a ton we can learn from them as far as generic technology and process stuff. They're more successful maybe than any, any internet company ever. Um, we, we need to be able to experiment with meetup product faster because uh, we need to as quickly as possible figure out how to make Meetup better faster, right? So our infrastructure didn't support that. It didn't, you know, it didn't support much faster product experiments. It didn't support the scale um, that we have for our business vision of growing, you know, to, to over 200 million members. Um, you know, we've been growing at a, a really great and steady state for many years, um, but we, you know, we believe that we're positioned for an inflection point where people people need Meetup more than ever now, um, and we we feel like we're at a at an inflection point where if we do our job of delivering product and empowering our members better than ever, we can grow a lot faster. Um, and we need the infrastructure to be ahead of that growth and not behind or or even on pace with it because when you're you know, when your infrastructure is reaching your limits, at best you're in a situation of kind of removing roadblocks as you go to incrementally scale, you know, and, and, uh, and keep pace. But, you know, at worst, you know, what you're often doing is you're, there's this like psychological way you're preventing the business from scaling because of those psychological limitations that your infrastructure is place, placing on your organization. So, you know, we decided to, um, move all of our systems to the cloud. Um, we felt like being able to build infrastructure as code would really empower our engineers to focus less on the day-to-day -day, um, maintenance and, uh, frankly, time and upkeep of our, of our data centers, um, but also make it easier for all engineers to um, develop faster, to, to ship faster, and then from a, a scalability perspective, um, creating an infrastructure that would scale, um, you know, using the simplicity of virtualization, you know, horizontal scaling, um, it, it really allows us to be able to scale faster than, than continuing to build that out in our data centers with our small team, right? If, if um, I think there's some type of tipping point, which honestly, I've never worked at 
uh, a big enough company to see that. But I, um, I have I've talked with a lot of folks who have where you have enough of a um, engineering, you have a big enough engineering team where data centers, the cost um, of, of running your own, the total cost of ownership is less uh, to, to do that. But where you know, you're a size of, of Meetup and we have about a half dozen systems engineers and you know, 60-ish um, uh, more software-focused engineers to keep our systems up and running and, and to ship product out there, um, the total cost of ownership for us and the speed at which we can experiment is just going to be a lot faster in, in moving um, moving to the cloud for us. So, so that was that was one area that's been big uh, that we're looking at. And we started that project in June-ish. And by December, we plan to have closed our data centers and be completely migrated. We're actually, this week um, is good timing. This week, we've set up some Wi-Fi routers in the office where if you connect, you know, to, to those access points, you'll automatically, when you type in meetup.com, you'll automatically hit the version in Amazon uh, versus versus the version in our data centers. And we're doing a lot of um, our uh, testing and performance testing and all that stuff the next month or so. Do you have a before and after metric? For example, it would take three days for an engineer to release a feature versus now half a day. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're, we're working on that from many different fronts. Um, the infrastructure is one of them. Automation of our um, uh, of our uh, pipeline is another. So getting our unit and bottom of the pyramid, you know, unit and component test coverage much higher, so that we can more confidently move to a continuous integration um, and measure process. and measure the before and after. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So one specific metric that we can measure really well. Um, we can't measure all our metrics well because just you know just over the past year we've gotten on uh, Jira for example where we actually have that data now. Um, we can measure some things well. Our previous system we were able to measure things like time that um, a feature or a uh, defect uh, sat in QA before it was released. And it was about an average of five to six days that something sat in QA. So between um, merge of the pull request to master and QA manually rolling up different release branches and, and testing those and, and certifying those and, and getting them out, it took about five to six days. So we're working a lot towards our continuous integration pipeline whereby um, as soon as things get, get merged from a PR, they're going to go right into master and get built um, automatically uh, to uh, QA and get ready to be shipped to production. And we expect that to go from five or six days to one or two days for um, any feature or defect. Um, and, and from you know, really building our foundation of, of unit uh, and, and component testing you know, with a layer of as um, uh, as non-flaky uh, UI end-to-end -end automation testing. So we started this year as well um, hiring and building a practice of software engineering and test. Um, and we've started running a um, set of end-to-end -end test suites against both our mobile app product and our, and our web product um, with a real focus on the core um, functionality and, and getting those tests 
um, as solid as possible. You know, no one likes flaky tests. So one, you know, one big thing we focused on in moving to CI and eventually our plan is to move to CD everywhere um, is, uh, is a, a really fast and positive feedback loop for engineers. Um, you know, for, for them to see their tests passing or failing quickly from a, a unit test and component test perspective so that they can fix things quickly and they can see the quality of the, the code that they're creating a, uh, a pull request for. Um, and, and also making sure our end-to-end -end and, and UI tests, we have a small enough number that are the core functionality that we can keep, you know, quite consistent and, and make sure those tests aren't too flaky either. I think of this as a win-win because engineers are happy when you can release faster. I can definitely relate to this. Yeah, to totally, right? I mean, you know, one of the big things I heard, you know, when I started was, you know, I, 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 all the engineers, I want our quality to be better. Like, how do we do that as a team better, right? Um, I want to be more productive during, during my day. Like, I'd love to be more productive, you know, like that's how I can have an impact on our members' lives. You know, there's so much technical debt. How do we overcome that? But the biggest one, the one I heard the most was like, I want to be faster. You know, how do we do things? How do we do things faster? And, you know, just like you're saying, like that was like the big sentiment of, of, you know, great engineers, you know, want, want to do that. And we really looked at, automating our pipeline and, and moving to CI and then and then CD, which um, all works better um, uh, on, a, on a cloud infrastructure um, from at least from from our perspective and our the ways that we want to do it. Um, you know, we, we kind of looked at, at automation as a way to kind of push us over this hump. You know, we were kind of caught in the older age old choice of, you know, if we're going to ship faster, that means we do less manual testing and less verification. So there's that speed versus quality trade-off, right? That older trade-off that in um, software development practices you used to have a lot more, but with, um, with automation and, and, you know, moving to CI and CD with our pipeline, you get both, right? If you're doing it right, you know, you're, you're really getting quality and speed. Um, and that, you know, our engineers are, are pretty excited about that, that transformation and, and, you know, being able to like have an impact and, and do that. Yeah. And it also be brings the business advantage because you can, if a feature is not well received or if there's an error, you can easily revert and totally build up on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. You know, we, we've been using feature flags forever here, but they become ever more important when, um, you're moving to, to CI and, and CD. So not only can you ship things faster and, and better, um, but if you need to revert, you know, you just flip off feature flags and you figure out what's going on or, or you, you know, experiment in a, in a different direction. Um, and, and I totally agree with you that, that that's a better outcome from a, a product and a product strategy um, perspective for, for your users. What are your thoughts on parallel product development or having teams compete against each other? Like I've seen uh, Samsung does this and other companies. Just what do you think about this? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting question. So. Parallel product development, I think, is very, very good. Um, we actually have um, uh, a bunch of different product teams at Meetup. So we're, we're a matrix organization. 
where um, our engineers report into engineering managers and directors um, who, uh, who oversee practice areas. So we have you know, managers in our core engineering team, which is our, our back-end team, our web engineering team, which is our you know, web more front-end uh, engineering team, our mobile engineering team, right? Our Android and iOS uh, engineers. So people always have a home with other engineers and a manager who specialize in the area of engineering that they do. We have a lot of full stack engineers too, and, and they kind of sit in the place that makes the most sense for them um, as far as the, the type of work that they love doing most. The other part of the matrix though um, is our product teams and, and everyone's on a uh, everyone's on a product team, right? And some of our product teams are uh, member growth. Um, we have members and organizers at Meetup as our two big user groups. So we have a member growth and a member um, engagement uh, team, two separate teams. We have um, an organizer growth team and an organizer retention team. Um, we do have, and, and that's on our main core uh, B2C product, our B2B product, Meetup Pro, we have a separate uh, pro team that's that's growing as well. So um, what we love about that is is those teams end up being, you know, pretty pretty smallish. You know, I, I kind of love the Amazon pizza size team. You know, they, they talk about five to eight people being the ideal team, cross-functional teams to work together. So um, we do on each of our product teams have product managers, designers, engineers, um, software engineers, and test uh, on on those teams. We also have um, our strategy and, and data sprinkled throughout those teams. So um, data scientists more on the strategy, business strategy side, working with those teams, and then data engineers on those teams. So very um, cross-functional. So we think it's great to give teams focus and clear goals and as defined um, goals as possible. It's with, dif other, it's with different have, products though, right? Like you don't really have at Meetup, we need to develop, I don't know, the mobile app and there's going to be two teams that are going to be doing it and competing against each other. We don't. So that that's the area that we don't do. And I'm not um, personally. I'm not. I, I'm not a huge fan of. Although I'd be very open to experimenting and hearing more about it. Um, but uh, so so competing teams doing the same thing at Meetup, I, I think hasn't been part of our culture for probably a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, we've always been um, pretty scrappy and pretty small. Um, compared to a company like Samsung. And we've been, you know, constantly trying to experiment and, you know, essentially like grow the product and, and, and fight as much as we can to, 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 to make our, our product better for our members. And, you know, it, it's been hard to do that. We've had some great wins, but it, it's been hard to do that. So having the luxury to kind of set two teams, uh, against one another and give them enough resources to do the same thing, you know, we, we haven't, we haven't quite had that before. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe that's a better way to say it. We haven't really, we haven't prioritized that. We haven't found the need to, to do that before. Um, and, you know, also though, from an engineering culture and a company culture perspective, um, we believe much more in empowering teams with alignment on 
vision and why we're doing things and what the most important things we're doing are, but to really empower the teams to come up with the specifics and how they're going to do those and come up with their goals and their key results, the metrics with which they're going to, um, uh, you know, they're going to, they're, they're going to hit their goals via, via those metrics. Um, very similar to the OKRs you hear around, although we have our, you know, a slightly different flavor of that. Um, so that's how we believe we get the most out of our teams by alignment, um, across the organization, but autonomy and, and teams setting their own goals and going after those, those key results of those goals, um, uh, in an autonomous way. Um, we don't, we don't culturally believe that like ranking, like a lot of places successfully do stack ranking and things like that. Um, more, more competition between individuals and between teams. I, I personally haven't seen that work as well. Um, and, uh, meetup culturally hasn't done that over time and it, it doesn't fit as well with our culture. So let's switch gears now and talk a little bit more about your previous leadership roles. Sure. How do you think that they helped you? prepare you to be CTO of Meetup, which is one of the world's largest network for local communities? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I have a, a pretty, um, I would say, an unusual background for someone in, in my role. I, I worked as an engineer at um, a software product company for a while and a, and a software consulting company. And then um, I started uh, my management, engineering management um running teams at two different WPP agencies. Um, both, you know, one grew very fast and turned global and, and got bigger, and the other one I worked at was big and got even bigger. Um, but, uh, you know, working in, in the client service industry, so, you know, working at digital agencies, I feel like really helped me better understand the different ways to approach and how best to apply technology to solving business problems. The thing I love, and frankly, the one of the only things I miss, <laughs> um, or the thing I miss the most, at least, about working in the client services world is is the really like cool opportunity to solve entirely different business problems every week or sometimes every day, depending on your exposure to different clients. Um, you know, it, it's really interesting to sit with one client and, and try to figure out like what that, you know, look at their strategy and how can technology help them. And, and, you know, I, one of my clients was, um, JP Morgan Chase, right? And, and they had a very different, um, uh, strategic goals and a very different way technology could help them, uh, than say, you know, um, uh, another one of my clients, um, was, uh, uh, was Grinder, right? They were a, a small, tiny startup at the time and, you know, building, location-based mobile software and, you know, you couldn't find more contrasting clients, but I had clients, you know, all, all in between those types. So it was pretty awesome to do that. And I think that definitely prepared me to, to, to as creatively as I could come up with different ways to solve problems, business problems through technology. And, um, I think you know, it's the perfect training for CTO. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you you're, know, like I, you're seeing, very different companies and you're thinking in terms of technology solutions for them. So, so your options are more open as to where you could advise later on. 
Definitely. Yeah, I, I totally feel the same way. You know, I, I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. And, and, you know, something we talk about a lot here is a blameless culture. And to me, you know, that means failure is great if you're not innovating. Um, you know, if you're not failing, you're probably not pushing hard enough to try new things and innovate and, and you know, move quickly. Um, so, you know, failing, uh, failing fast and, and learning as much as you can, um, from your failures. So I feel like I learned a lot, uh, from that over, over time. And, um, you know, working also managing teams at agencies, um, your teams tend to, to grow, contract and grow quite quickly when you win, you know, a $25 million client account that has to start in six months you have absolutely no choice but to grow quickly. And, and I've had to double, you know, my teams within a year before or more. Um, and uh, it, it's just as important to, to retain people as, as it is to hire people in that kind of situation. So I, I feel like I learned, you know, really early on in my management career that recruiting and, and keeping great people to work with is its own art and science and, and such a really like, I, I couldn't stress enough how important that is for the health of an engineering team and, and, you know, the health of a technology company. And, you know, definitely prepared me for the high growth technology world and, you know, high competition for, for great talent in, in the technology world. Um, and another, another thing that, um, I can't really put my finger on exactly how, how it prepared me, but I, um, I was asked uh, to move down to Costa Rica um, by the company I worked for to run our whole office there, which was not only engineers, but designers and project managers and the whole operations team. And And I said yes to it. Um, and uh, it was the first time um, I was leading up an office ever. Um, and it taught me so, so much, you know, for, for the for the first time ever, I was managing people outside engineering and really understanding managing a full P&L and, and the business of our business. It was really hard for me. You know, I, I had never done a job like that before. I was living in a foreign country. Um, I had studied French in school and didn't even speak Spanish. So oh, no. Were, and they're not you know, very similar. I mean, they're, they're similar enough that I tried to pick up Spanish as quickly as I could. But everything was hard, especially for the first year. Um, and, you know, at the time, um, the company I was working for, uh, had some, you know, had some ups and downs, just like any agency does. So, so I had to deal with, um, with just difficult business decisions I had to make as a, as a business leader. And I, I guess like to put a finger on maybe what I learned there that, that I can apply, um, is, you know, how, how to lead through adversity, um, and how to remain optimistic in times of uncertainty or, or difficulty. And I think that came from, just having to do it um, as the the sole leader um, of of an office, but honestly, um, I, I think the optimism part um, came a good amount from living in in Costa Rica. Costa Ricans are insanely educated. Um, uh, they've poured all their their money into healthcare and education, and, and they've gotten rid of their military, and it's working great for for their country. Um, and, uh, because of the strong, you know, education and healthcare, there's such a strong, um, long-term middle class there. Um, and, uh, and just this culture of like optimism and, you know, I think many years Costa Ricans are always voted, you know, 
happiest people on on earth or, or whatever and and i i got to see that firsthand and and learn from from that experience um you know not only how to be optimistic but but how to do that when when things are tough and and how to see um how to see the the light at the end of the tunnel um and and i i feel like that's really helped me too yeah it sounds like it was a great experience it was it really yeah. was i i learned so much yeah so last question how sure. do you maintain yourself up to date with the latest technological trends yeah yeah well i i read and talk with as many people as i can okay. um what sort know, of things so, do you read um i i i'm i'm more of a um I'm more of a consumer than a puller, I guess, of information. And by that, I mean, you know, we have very active Slack channels um, at Meetup. So if I, even if I just, you know, even if I just collected all the stuff that the engineers at Meetup were sharing with one another to read, I would be reading all day, every day, right? So I selectively pick things from there. Um, Uh, I end up going and, and talking at different meetups and, and conferences and I talk with people there and, and try to, um, try to hear what they're reading and, you know, what blogs they're reading. I, 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 but I don't, I don't subscribe to things. To me, that's a little bit of information overload. Um, I tend to work best if, um, if the information I'm reading comes from people I'm talking with specific topics about and want to learn more about. Or just from teams or, or people that I'm working with. Um, another thing that um, I've been doing since I've been at Meetup is is honestly having um, internal learning sessions at you know having meetups at Meetup HQ, and, and I've brought in you know about 25 to 30 or so um, engineers or you know VPs or, or CTOs to do informal fireside chat Q&A type meetups with our with our team about different topics that we want to learn about and I've I've personally found those so so helpful because you really get um, a candid and practical um, hands-on perspective on on you know topics and we've brought people in to talk about you know um, moving from a monolith to to microservices you know moving from bare metal to the to the cloud um, you know, building a non-flaky end-to-end, um, uh, -end, you know, test automation framework, you know, cultural change and moving to um, a open source first culture, you know, all these different topics that are really important for us now. Um, and I, I couldn't thank the people who've said yes to coming in to doing those meetups with us enough and, you know, and hope to, to, to always keep giving back by talking with others as much as I can. Well, Yvette, thank you for coming on the show. I really enjoyed talking to you today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It was it was great speaking with you and, and um, I, I loved you digging into the to you know the the business and engineering type questions. It was it was fun for me because that's what I love to talk about. Mm -hmm.